car life with kids. Because every car ride should be a page turner. Hi, my name is Heidi, and today I'll be reading a bit from the first chapter of my first book, Tower of the Deep, Volume 1, The Prisoner and the Traitor. Chapter 1 The strange, ungainly bird rose high into a sky full of broken sun-splashed clouds, reached the top of an arc, and plummeted down. It was an odd bird squashy and rounded, with no wings to speak of, and very sparsely feathered. It was, in fact, not a bird, nor even a living thing at all. It was only a leather bag stuffed lightly, with a few goose feathers sewn on. Just as it began to fall, a fine, long arrow thunked squarely into it, causing a drastic detour in its descent. Below, four pairs of eyes watched it die, and young voices raised a cheer for the excellent shot. Three people stood all together in a small group, a grown man and two youngsters, a boy and girl, all dressed in brown and tan training garb and high boots. Sitting on a tree branch over them was another young male. The man clapped the lad next to him on the shoulder. Very good, Wendanical, very good. You've improved since we did those lessons on your aim. Thank you, sir, the boy replied, a blush rising to his pale cheeks. He was slim and slight, and his white blonde hair rose from the center part like a fountain, fine and smooth, falling to about chin length. He was fourteen years old. Even the girl was sturdier than Wendanico, yet slender and clean-limbed like a young colt. Her long hair, almost the color of honey, was too wavy and abundant to lie in its proper place, though she had caught it up in a low ponytail for her archery exercises. She was also fourteen. The man had coarse hair, almost black, that would not lie neatly even when he was indoors, which was seldom. His olive skin was chafed red by sun and wind, his square frame packed with muscle. He squatted and placed another leather bag in a small catapult winding up the mechanism once more. All right, now let's see how you do, young Mistress Henelin, he challenged the girl with a grin. She hardly had time to lift her bow as he released the catch. The target soared into the air. Henelin yanked the string taut and released it quickly, making it sing. The arrow sliced after the ball, but nothing happened. The target just wilted in the air and dropped. Ha! A mince! shouted the youngster in the tree with glee. The great General Canow's daughter scores a no hit. Even Nick the gardener's son did better. Oh, ghosts of your tail feathers, mumbled Wendanico, known as Nick to everyone. He frowned at the implied insult. Come on, Gundrew, I wasn't ready, Hanelin complained to her trainer. Ready? Mistress in battle or while hunting, there is rarely an occasion when the quarry will stand still and wait while you take aim. Hanelin frowned up at the boy in the tree who was still chuckling. One side of her mouth curled up slyly. Gundrew, send one up for Arkness. 
I want to see how he does with a moving target, she suggested. The youngster above looked down at her and cocked his head to one side. For me, he asked. Penelon crossed her arms and eyed him expectantly. His grin broadened. Child play. Gundry started to wind the catapult again, reaching out for another target to put into it. Good. Come and start from here beside me then, right from the ground, she commanded. Artemis' smile wavered a bit, and then he shrugged. He had been squatting on the branch with his hands holding on either side of him, and in that position had looked human. But now, from behind his back, there yellowed out two huge wings, and he sprang lightly from the branch and parachuted down to land on the grass not far from the others. There, away from the concealing green shade, his differences were obvious. His face and body were shaped like any human boy of fourteen, but instead of hair, feathers adorned his head. In fact, feathers were everywhere, covering arms, chest, shins, presumably under the clothing that he wore, everywhere but his face and the front of his neck. His hands were of human shape, but the skin on them was tough and leathery, and long, sharp claws grew in place of nails. His bare feet showed not five small toes, but three long, leathery ones forward and one pointed back, armed with wicked, curving talons. His feathers were mottled nut-brown and tan, with cream on the breast and underside. A full complement of tail feathers stuck out from under the back of the tunic he wore. Such was Artemis, and he was the only one of his kind that he knew of. He crouched forward, and his wings stretched to an amazing width, more than twice as wide as he was tall. The longest flight feathers vibrated slightly at their tips. Strangely, no one offered him a bow and arrow. I'm ready, Gundrew, he said through clenched teeth. Gundrew released the lever again. Arkmus exploded into the air. The others raised arms against the small windstorm that his departure created. He almost reached the target, but it fell away from his grasp. Artemis merely folded up his wings and dove after it. Faster and faster he streaked down until it looked like he would dash himself into the ground. Penelin had seen him do this before, but it always made her shiver. Artemis plunged to the bare prairie until the humped vagaries of the ground hid him from view. As the others craned their necks, wondering, they saw him pop up in the distance with the bag clutched in his raised left hand and a big grin on his face. Rising into the air once again, he soared back to them and dropped lightly down next to Henelin. He preferred the target to her. I got it in the air, he boasted smugly. Penelin stuck her nose up. This time, she allowed Archie and turned her back on him. He laughed. Penelin went to pick up her quiver from the grass, and Artemis returned the target to Gundrew. The soldier did not offer him any congratulations, nor clap him on the shoulder. His glance at this strange youth was, as usual, sidelong and uneasy. As the children gathered up their practice weapons, 
there was a sudden distant racket of metal clanging on metal. Supper! Come on, Hannah, I'll race you to the castle, cried Nick. And they set off at a run, their quivers and bows dangling from their arms. After a moment, Artemis stepped lightly into the air and flew sedately after them. The dwelling they approached was not really a castle, but a large two-story house built mostly of logs and rough lumber. It looked cobbled together in a hurry, which was the truth, but sturdy and strong nonetheless. It perched on the highest, most strategic point of a long ridge on the north side of a river valley. Below it, a swift river moved back and forth like a seeking snake, flowing mainly east. Just where the house was situated, the river bent closer to the ridge than it did at any other point. A small rough town sprawled along the lower slopes between the castle and the water. Behind the house to the north, east, and west stretched an unending bald prairie riddled with gullies and hollows where trees grew and creeks sprang out of the ground to eventually join the river through copses of trees fully fleshed out in late summer green. If you like this sample of the book, I have good news. There are two word puzzles you can download using Starcon and Bungie words, so they're the two races in the story, as well as character names from the story. Just get your parents to download it when they aren't driving. Tell them the link is in the show notes. If you like word search puzzles, these are for you for free. Make your stories travel with Carlyle for kids. 